Hey everyone, this is Race, Justice, and the Church. I'm your host, Nate Winstead. You can follow me at Nate, Knight with a K, wins. Today, we're continuing my conversation with Matt Mueller. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> Back to Ferguson. <laughs> Back to Ferguson, yeah. That was a, that was a good little hiatus. Yeah. But. So, like I said, I was learning all this, a lot of stuff. And then Ferguson happened. Mike Brown was murdered in the middle of the street, unarmed. Um, black teenager by uh, a white police officer um, and there was an uprising um, started with you know his neighbors the residents of the apartment complex that he lived in um, they you know they they protested and they challenged the um, the authority of the police and the you know just the, the the brutality of what happened um and that quickly turned into you know the whole neighborhood the whole area and people from all over the city um joining in and protesting and also police from all over the city yeah uh, joining in to try to um silence and uh silence the protesters and keep yeah. them from um from allowing their message to be heard, and uh, so if any, if tra- if you know, if there was ever a moment that was very personal for me in this journey, um, it was this because, yeah. you know, and personal to the point of family members. I had family members who were standing with a line of police officers that were holding, um, holding loaded weapons pointed towards protesters, and I had wow. friends who were in the street protesting that same brutality and those um military tactics that they were using so wow yeah and you know and i had christians christian friends and christian people in my life leaders who fell on either side of this you know debate and uh wow and i you know all the while just worrying for the safety of my friends and family um and just mourning the, the the death and the violence and even just the the greater um you know historical narrative that led to that moment mourning it all grieving it all yeah um f- feeling a deep sense of just fear and sadness and brokenness um and you know seeing how the, there was no unity that was mm. that was difficult especially yeah. as a christian person um and this was a big I would say this was a big um, season of doubt for me um, in the faith because not really in faith, um, not really in, in in faith like faith in God or faith in Jesus um, or faith in the Bible, but faith in the church. Yeah. Uh, because what I saw was a culture and a society and a city and a country um, that was divided on yeah. this issue, largely uh, based on racial lines. Yeah. Um, and what I was seeing in the world, I saw the same division in the church. Right, yeah, the, the exact same yeah. kind of division. And church, yeah. w- what I knew um, was that um, if the church is true and real, then we're not going to look like the world in this. We're going to be united um, in our belief and in our response and that was not the case so um that, that's a little bit about it i don't know <laughs> man 
I mean, that's that's really great stuff because there is like a dissonance that we, um, I mean, just like everything else with um, that we've been talking about, that when it comes to the church, we like almost hope that surely the church is going to, you know, be able to do better at this. But, um, you know, especially when it comes to uh, issues of race, man, the church is very much just like everybody else. Like, yeah. I mean, more so, actually. More, really? Yeah. More segregated than the institutions well, yeah. <laughs> and secular yeah. um, society. I mean, absolutely. Mar- Mar- it was a Martin Luther King Jr., and I don't know if he was quoting somebody else, but he said, you know, 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning is the most segregated hour yeah. in America. Yep. Um, and that's still very true. Yeah. I would say, th- I would say the church is perpetuating racism and um, race, systemic racism, ra- racial stereotypes, racial prejudice uh, at, at a higher um, at a higher level of influence than than the rest of society. And if Oof. you if you're interested in that, yeah. anybody that listens to this. You can read more about that in a book called Divided by Faith. Oh, by, yes. Divided by Faith. By Michael Emerson. I highly, highly, highly cannot recommend it highly enough. Yeah. Uh, when did you find that book? Because you gave me, or you told me about it. You were reading it. I got it. That was like kind of the... That was, I read that. That was one of the books I read shortly when I was in that season of doubt about the yeah. church. And I was trying to understand how we could be so divided racially. Right. Um, I found that book right in that season, shortly after everything happened in Ferguson. Yeah, and then I read it right after, and um, it's it's like, it's almost, I'd say it's like required reading. Like if you're, uh, especially a, a, as a church leader, um, if you're engaging in issues of race, mm-hmm. like it's just required to understand like why why is the church so divided along racial lines in the United States? Yeah. If you're in um, any city and you're a pastor, you should read that book. Yeah. It, um, yeah, go ahead. And, um, I mean, it talks about, it, it just gives you a, a framework of understanding how, um, Christians who really believe theologically, a lot of the same things differ so much, uh, when it comes to culture and, um, and, uh, how, how we view things uh, as evangelicals um, man I wanted to I wanted to talk about uh, a little bit of my experience with when I was um, you know at the same time you know hearing this stuff from Matt um, about Ferguson I you know all I saw was a city exploding and I was like you know, quite honestly, unarmed black men have been shot by, you know, police uh, many other times, you know, in cities. But, uh, or you know, I mean, Ferguson is not a, a large city by any means, a suburb. But, like, those things have happened and the city hasn't exploded for, you know, weeks of unrest uh, and protest. Um but you know the the kind of narrative that i heard was was so uh dismissive and simplistic and you know as it later came out in the justice department the federal justice department their whole investigation of the ferguson police department was the they were 
pretty much using uh, people as uh, as a way to pay for uh, the pay for the the city bills or whatever they would they would give people tickets constantly for like crossing the street you know that's that's jaywalking that's like five other things and let me give you all these tickets and it was vastly predominantly uh given to people of color um so there was no trust of the police um you know for years and years this has been this had been going on and and you know that doesn't even get into like blatantly um other racist issues but um Anyway, that I mean, I had the same experience with people, uh, you know, online. I've got people on both sides of the issue, and that's that's been true, you know, ever since. With any kind of racially charged issue, it seems like there's people on each side of the of the argument that are like very hardcore about, you know, what they think about it. Um, I feel like that needs to be a whole other podcast where we just talk about. Like how to deal with that uh, in a healthy way. Um, I don't know. Is there? Um, I mean, that was that was in two thousand fourteen. Fourteen. That's two thousand nineteen now. Um, man, what do you? Um, you know, I know we need to wrap up soon, but like, where? Where are you at today? If you could give us just like a <laughs> with uh, with um like you talked about um you know when uh, everything happened with Trayvon Martin and then now you're you know really your hometown um and then as you like what steps have you taken what you know what has uh you know what have you been doing um to grow since then um i know that's a huge question <laughs> yeah i would say that um i've come to the point <laughs> to realize that police brutality is a very huge issue uh in our country um i've come to a place where uh, i believe that um the criminal justice system is horribly um disproportionately uh, affecting um, minority peoples, I, I come to the place where, um, you know, yeah, I believe that there's there's just there's just massive massive issues on a massive scale um, playing out from coast to coast, um, but also playing out locally, um, in in so many different areas, and I've also come to learn how so many of these different justice issues are connected. Yeah. Um, that, you know, these things don't, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all occurring um, in unison with one another. And, you know, it's important for us to make ourselves aware and to understand what's going on in all these different areas. Mm-hmm. To understand the issues that are affecting um, our communities, affecting our cities, our neighborhoods, our suburbs, wherever it is that we live. Yeah. Um, the economic injustices, the racial, um, you know, all, all the, the, the stuff that's going on. Um, so I will say that I, I just lead my life in a way that uh, I, I try to learn as much as I can about, um, you know, the things that are affecting uh, the people around me, the things that are affecting, um, you know, 
my neighbors. Um, I think that's a pretty basic um, teaching in scripture to love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't think you can love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor. Yeah. Um, you don't know the things that are that are happening to your neighbor. And I think if you live in a place that has, um, you know, a hood in it that you look at and, and you and you think of it as the, the ghetto or the part of town you don't go into um, and you don't know anybody from that area and you don't know any uh, of the, the issues that are facing the people in that area, um, you don't know the, the historical context for why they live there and mm-hmm. what has happened, um, you need to start picking up some books and you need to learn. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of where it starts for, for Christians is it starts with um, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Yeah. Um, and if we don't start there, you know, we, we have right now, I, I feel like, you know, I'm just kind of all over the place, but I feel like the church has very, has very little, especially the white church, um, has very little authority to speak to, you know, the majority of justice issues that are facing, mm. um, Americans. And, and that's, Oof. that's not where we should be, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean the, the 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 testimony of our lives doesn't give us that credibility. So wow. mm. until we you know start changing um, some things about how we live, how we think, uh, how we act, how we uh, process things, and whether or not we empathize with others, uh, we're we're just not really gonna have much of a effect on our culture, on our country. Mm. Um, and we're we're just gonna have no ability to help people process their trauma and to help um, end these cycles and these patterns of of oppression and, and injustice. Um, and so yeah, so I try to educate myself. I try to educate others. I try to you know teach and preach as much as I can um, to help people uh, you know know their neighbors to help um, them be confronted with reality as it really is uh, to help them sort of deconstruct the aspects of their faith and the aspects of their worldview that are sinful um, mm, and yeah. and help them reconstruct um, a faith that is uh, defined by um, by compassion and justice yeah. Uh, and uh, a deep love and commitment to their neighbors. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I would say I'm I'm in I'm figuring it out too. I'm figuring it out what what the, how God wants me to live my life and and what um, actual issues specific issues He wants to get wants me to get involved with. There's um, you know another. You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but the issue facing my neighborhood, our neighborhood, our community um, in New York City is gentrification, which is, mm-hmm. you know, basically um, a further extension of white flight. It's just jumping. It's just, you know, it's jumping over all of, you know, the people who have followed white people out into the exurbs and then jumping over everybody right back to the center city and then pushing the most marginalized out yeah displacing those without the yeah. the options to be able to stay absolutely. or pay the higher rent yeah absolutely yeah. and and oftentimes the most marginalized because a lot of people yeah. who could have had left by then um, or have left by now and yep. uh so you know that's happening and i see how that's connect you know i'm i'm in some ways complicit in that and that 
you know, systemic pattern. And so I, I constantly am trying to find ways to, you know, give any power, privilege um, that I have away and try to be under the, you know, guiding of the local community. Yeah. And be n not just, you know, an ally, but be in the fight. Be in the fight for housing justice. Um, yeah. And, in the you know, whatever way that may look. Um, Man, well, I, I love what you say about, um, you know, like you're still, you know, you're still in the process and, you know, you're still complicit in some ways. And I think that I just want to bring up, you know, the reality of the gospel that, um, you, you know, is different from uh, the way the world sees things. You know, the gospel looks at the truth uh, unequivocally, like... Uh, it does not shy away from the brutal truth of how things are. Um, but at the same time, uh, there is so much grace. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, John 1 says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Um, not like 50-50, but like 100% of both. And, you know, the hope of the gospel is that you know, the gospel should be able to um, guide us to speak to these issues um, in a more transformative and powerful way than um, than just like working towards social justice. You know, we're not working towards just social justice. We're working towards God's complete wholeness and shalom of our community, which is absolutely it, it must include justice. Um. So yeah, man, we could we could keep talking <laughs> for a lot, a long time. I'm sure we'll we should um you know figure out a few more episodes of things to talk about. But um you know I've been ending all these um beginning uh, episodes with this question for everybody. I'd love you, uh, love if you could answer this. Um, I'm hoping that many of our listeners are from white evangelical churches. You know, that's your background. That's my background. Um, so if you could tell majority white church leaders anything um, now, you know, what would you tell them? Um, can it said anything. So can it be more than one thing? Uh, sure. So there's yeah, man. two things on my mind at the moment. And one is a, a lesson I've been learning recently. Um, so... The first thing I'll say is don't be afraid of the word racist. Mm, okay. And if you are accused of being a racist, stop and listen. Listen to the person that's saying that. Listen to the, you know, the author or the speaker or whoever it is that may be making you feel that way yeah um and ask yourself why could this why could this person be saying this man um because what i think is that we are all racist yeah um and well i mean even before you go there i think just the just pausing yeah and not immediately having to defend yourself yeah or denounce it or whatever mm -hmm. but just being open to listening like okay you know why why are you saying that educate me yes um 
even if you're totally wrong, <laughs> like being open to, you know, why someone well, else is saying yeah. It. Start with listening and yeah. and listen. You know, um, because I mean the truth is, like, <laughs> if you are white, if you're from the dominant culture, um, in our country, you are, you are a beneficiary of racism. Period. So mm. by definition, you're a racist. The way I mean, we're living our lives benefiting from racist systems and, and structures. Yeah. So we're all racist. So, you know, we need to admit it, first of all. We need to admit it. Mm. And we need, rather than trying to defend ourselves to protect, you know, wh whatever it is we're trying to protect, um, we need to just admit it. And then we need to fight um, the, the hard fight, fight the hardest we can to, um, to, I would say, uh, completely um, deconstruct and destroy. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, this is, we're getting to bigger stuff, but we, we need to fight to not benefit from those systems, to make sure that everyone um, is equal. Um, and this is another conversation that gets into, you know, how do you... Um, how do you do that? How yeah, do you do that? But, how do you do that? Yeah, we're, I mean, that's. I think that's still good to, yeah, to say. But just listen. Whether it's a person or whatever it is, if you're feeling like, oh, I need to defend myself, there's probably, uh, there's probably a blind spot you have that you're unaware of. Mm. That that if you stop and listen, that you can learn and grow. And to just defend yourself, there, you're not gonna grow. You're not gonna mm. uncover that. You're not gonna be deconstructing racism. You're gonna be perpetuating it. Yeah. So that's one thing. That's one word. Um, the other thing I would say is. And I'll end on this. Uh, do everything you can to submit yourself to the influence and the leadership um, and the, the stories and the voices of people who are different than you. Mm, um, yeah. and, and I mean that in, you know, in every way possible. Um, and if you're a pastor or a leader, I think one, one very, um, a, a very practical step first step for that can be with the authors you read yeah uh, most of the pastors i know read a lot of books um you know uh, a pastor i work with she um she committed one year to not read um any author that was from the dominant culture any white authors she read all exclusively minority authors because she knew that she had only been um you know learning and receiving um, information and uh, a way to process information from mm. one perspective and yeah. that there were way more perspectives and stories and people out there so when it came to everything from from fiction to theology to um, whatever it was that she read she committed that year to uh, you know yeah. reading from non-white authors that's and cool I, yeah and I you know I think that was a, a huge a huge thing that she did and um, I've, you know, I would say I've kind of done that in my own life a little le less formal. I haven't made like a one year commitment, but generally speaking, yeah. um, I mostly read, uh, authors that, that aren't white. Not that I never read a white author. Right. But, but you're even uh, aware, you're even like yeah. wondering, oh, here's this book. I wonder what this person's background is. Yeah. Is it the exact same as yes. me yes. or is it different? Yes. And if you, and the, and the thing is, if you grow up in, you know, all white world, um, for the most part. You're never going to be exposed to or challenged or, or you're not going to grow um, unless you intentionally take the steps 
those you know oftentimes those authors and those books are are, are marginalized too and they're not going to be put in front of you unless you mm. proactively take the step to yeah. go and to you know find them and read them so yeah it's just a, a great way to you know start to to expand your own perspective on things but I, I could go on but i would say maybe i'll end with that unless do you have any other questions no nah, man that's that's it i think we gotta i think we gotta be done for now man that's this is great stuff. So, uh, yeah, listen. Uh, try not be so. Uh, try not to be so defensive. Yeah. Uh, or maybe see being defensive as a red flag and be like, okay, I need to, I need to listen and, um, uh, yeah, come uh, have a posture of learning. Yeah. Um, and then along with that, yeah, paying attention to the authors, um, that you're receiving from. I think that's that's great stuff. Um. Man, Matt, thank you so much for being on the mic. Oh yeah, I'm excited this is happening. Oh yeah, it's uh, it went a bit, a little bit longer than I expected, but that's uh, good, man. This is all good stuff. That's um, it. Yeah, so that's it. Thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Bye. Ciao.